It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's hot time. We Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. And I'm also a gondrepreneur who is fired up to announce that the muscle rub I co created with my cannabis soul sister and formulation scientist, Dr. Monica Vielpondo, will be ready in time for the holidays. MJ Relief is our first product release. This is the same great muscle rub formulation we've batch produced for friends and family for the past three years. But now, it's finally in a convenient tube and ready for prime time. Our beta customers use MJ Relief for localized muscle and joint relief from chronic pain and inflammation, sports and military injuries, arthritis, lupus, and even surgery recovery from hip and knee replacements. From the terpene profile to the glide, we designed MJ Relief to be the best CBD-infused topical you'll ever use for massage. And the best part? A little goes a long way. I am the first and most loyal user of MJ Relief, and I carry it with me everywhere I go. But I get it, I know, since I could be considered biased. Here's what one triathlete had to say recently. I've been using MJ Relief for several months, and I love it. This product has successfully helped me with sore muscles and little aches resulting from my demanding Ironman triathlon training. I would recommend this muscle rub to anyone. It's one of the most effective CBD-based formulations on the market. Signed, Dr. Tom D. I'm excited to announce that I am officially taking wholesale orders from boutiques, spas, wellness clinics, 
doctor's offices, independent massage and physical therapists, and personal trainers. If you're interested in becoming a wholesale partner, send me an email to info at mjskinrelief.com. That's info at mjskinrelief.com. As an entrepreneur, there are a few things that I've become pretty clear on. Coming up with great ideas is the easy part. Manifesting those ideas is the fun part. And the hard part is in the minutiae. It's challenging to maintain excitement and motivation as you lean in toward the finish line, only to be bumped in the chest by another hurdle blocking the lane. I mean, my little legs have jumped a lot of damn hurdles the past couple of years, and I suspect there will be a few more to keep me on my toes before this is all said and done. Like me, today's guest on the podcast is a gondrepreneur in the thick of it. Anthony Jenkins is CEO of Next Level Edibles, an Oakland equity company best known for their top-tier infused mini cupcakes and products designed to empower the home chef. Anthony started his baking business as Elaine's Confections before pivoting into the cannabis industry three years ago. Anthony and I explore cannabis for depression and the benefits of medicating with edibles, We talk entrepreneurship, motivation, inspired action, and how to turn hurdles into building blocks for personal success and happiness. We also swap kitchen stories and ideas for honing your casual baking skills to create next-level edibles at home. So smoke them if you got them and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine. Hi, Anthony. Hello. How are you doing today, Joanna? I'm good. It's good to see you. Good to see and you, you as brought well. treats. I did. I did. Um, we brought some of our specialty mini infused cupcakes for you today. I love it. I have not had real edibles in a while. Mm-hmm. And when I say real edibles, I mean like fresh, home baked cupcakes. Yes. You know, I mean, I have a chocolate bars and things like that, but to have treats like I used to make, I mean, Casually yes. Baked started, the idea for that was that I loved making cookies and cupcakes and shit for my friends or before concerts and mm-hmm. things like that. And and so I originally thought I would do what you're doing. And then I thought, wow, I'm an extrovert and I like to talk <laughs> so much and I'm stuck in this kitchen right now and my arms are killing me. Yes. So I was like, yeah, let's scrap that. And then Casually Make the Podcast came out of that with the cannabis education and all of that good stuff. But Beautiful pivot. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Casually Baked was just kind of my way of being, you know, mm-hmm. the art of being functionally high. Mm-hmm. And so no, I and plus loved- you're saving your hands because I'm so tired of doing dishes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was doing cookie dough. So mm-hmm. I was rolling out and like cutting cookies that I would then give to people and then they just pull one out of the freezer and put it in the oven so Smart. they have a hot fresh cookie yes. when they're ready for it. But that was a lot of extra work. Yes. Ugh. But I love what you're doing. 
So you just had some popcorn. Will you get that out? Yeah. Get so, that out. Um, Show that to me. <laughs> this is our uh, toffee popcorn. What's the dosage on it? So um, one kernel is going to be about two to three milligrams. Oh, okay. Per kernel. So, uh-huh. Okay. So that was like two. Exactly. So exactly. I've got like six in my hand. Exactly. Sweet. <laughs> And um, we started doing popcorn just because it was really easy, just something quick and easy you can just pop in your mouth and get a low, a low dosage. Um, and in addition, the way the caramel is made, um, your saliva actually starts to break down that caramel inside of your mouth. And the THC in that caramel starts to enter your blood system a little bit faster through, through the mouth rather mm -hmm. than being digested in the liver, which most edibles are. So you get a little bit of faster response in the, in the caramel corn than with some of our other products. Right on. I like it. Except then it's in my teeth. And so, <laughs> so while I'm uh, cleaning my mouth, you are an Oakland equity business. Yes. And I'm excited to talk to you about, first of all, how you got started into the industry, but then how you learned about the Oakland Equity Program, mm -hmm. how you got involved, and then just kind of what your journey's been like, because it's you know not something that I've had a chance to talk with someone about. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey, and um, we're still pushing forward. Um, we got started because um, there was a time in my life where um, I got really down and really depressed. I started working, and I ended up losing my job when like, you said you started working, so you were young. Yes. This is like first job out of college kind of a thing? This was, uh, I think, my second job out of college. When I was really young, like most parents, my, my mom, my dad told me, you know, work really hard in school, get a great education, go to a really good school, then you can get whatever job you want, live wherever you want, and like have the, the, the life of your dreams. Well, that's what they tell you, but it doesn't always work out that way. And um, in 2007, with the economic collapse, I ended up losing my house my car and my job. And I remember thinking, man, I did everything my parents told me to do. I worked really hard in school, got into a really good college, worked really hard in college, got a good job. And even though I did all those things, I, because of things outside of my will, I completely lost all those things. And I got really down and depressed. Um, and my significant other at the time told me to see a specialist, a nurse practitioner. And she prescribed me with anti-anxiety medicine and anti-depression medicine. Um, under the gaze, don't stop your anti-anxiety medicine because if you do, people have a tendency to commit suicide, which isn't probably something you should tell somebody who's depressed. But that's a different story altogether. Yeah. I mean, I, I did experience those symptoms when I was getting off of the meds. And how, how sad is that? I'm giving you this because there's something we need to fix in your life. But if you stop doing it, you're going to die. Like that's very... I don't know. That doesn't sound like a fix to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't sound like medicine. It sounds like a drug dealer or something. It, it totally does. And speaking of drugs, like when I started taking the anti-anxiety medicine, I didn't like the way it made me feel. Um, I tell people it's like putting on virtual reality glasses because you can see the environment, but you're actually not interacting with the environment. And that's the way it felt on those anti-anxiety medicines. I could see what's going on around me, but if somebody were to die tragically next to me, it wouldn't even really phase me because I wasn't 100% there. Yeah. I know that feeling. It being, you know, watching, a, you mm -hmm. know, some sappy movie with your girlfriends or you, a significant other, and like seeing them sobbing. Yes. And it's just so sad. And I'm like, I couldn't work up some tears if yes. I tried. Yes. Perfectly described. Yes. 
I was there, but my emotions weren't connected to the environment. Mm -hmm. And I didn't like that. And And um, my physical body, like sex was like a chore. (laughs) Yeah, it's really, really weird. And it's funny that they peddle those things left and right. And even to people who are like 13, 14 years old, which is sad in itself. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember when I was younger, when I had those feelings, smoking would, would help me. And um, I didn't like the whole virtual reality feeling, so I decided to quit it cold turkey against what she stated and started using cannabis to medicate myself. The only issue with that is cannabis has a very distinct smell. Um, and I'm African-American, and a lot of times people associate you know, thugs, African-Americans, cannabis all into one. Um, and being a business professional, I couldn't go into work smelling like cannabis. Obviously, I couldn't take a break to go smoke and come back smelling like cannabis. Um, In fact, I was working at Oracle at the time, and uh, my boss's desk overlooked my desk, and he just had a glass window for his to overlook my desk. And if I was rolling a joint in front of him for my break to medicate, (laughs) right, I would be fired instantly. He wouldn't just get out of here. And so I needed a way to be able to medicate without smelling like it. And so I found out about edibles. I found out that the half-life of edibles can last three to four times the length of cannabis or of smoking. So I don't need to take a smoke break at two hours into my workday. I could have a small edible and it could last the whole workday. And I won't have that smell that a lot of people associate with negativity. I personally don't, but. Yeah, um, I'm like sweet, sweet. Right, exactly. (laughs) Those terpenes, that's awesome. But other people, older generations, people who aren't pro-cannabis, sometimes associate that with negativity and being a a business professional, I I couldn't have that at the time. And so that's kind of how next level came around. I started looking for some edibles in order to solve my symptoms, went into Harborside, found some, some awesome treats, but they came into two categories. They either tasted great and had no effect or they tasted like dog food and I was touching the moon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any experience like that? Well, I mean, I I remember just in this the very beginning, yeah, yes, yeah. when you went in the edibles, it was all homemade stuff. Mm-hmm. So from, you know, cottage businesses. So yes. it was, you know, a cookie or a brownie in a Ziploc. There weren't a lot of options. I like low to no sugar stuff, mm-hmm. low glycemic index sugars and you know you're not finding that or something savory yet yet. i have found some like fruit chews and things like that Mm -hmm. that are just you know utilizing the natural sugars of fruit for the taste masking that needs to be done for the cannabis and so you know i just wasn't really into it so i would just make my own Mm -hmm. but then you know making your own oil at home that is a whole other project unless you want to be somebody who's spending money on extra gadgets. And I live in a small space. Like I don't have room for a, you know, magic butter machine or something like that to sit on my counter. And you, you don't have room for a distillate machine in your, <laughs> yeah. in your kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I would make stuff at home, but then I just quit because it was too much work. I didn't have enough time. Yeah. And so I think there is a space for that craft baker. Why don't you see more of those sorts of things on the market? That's a good question. And it has to do with packaging um, and labeling laws and uh, testing issues related around testing. Um, Currently in the cannabis industry, when you see a packaged cannabis good, 
you can't see the product itself. They don't want kids to actually see the cookie or a cupcake. I'm like, oh, I want to eat it. So it has to be, um, you can't see the product at all. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, testing in the cannabis industry is crazy. It can take a month or two for you to get your batch test results. And then another few weeks to get your, your stuff into a retail place. And then it might sit on the shelf for another two to three weeks. Now, if you have a fresh baked cupcake, that time period is just shot your, your whole product. Do the cookie dose. <laughs> and I've actually been thinking about that. Stop mentioning it. My, my competition there. <laughs> no, no, totally. That's a great idea. Frozen cookie dough. It is something that we've been thinking of. Um, and that'll help totally to bypass the whole testing issue. Um, but that's why you don't see the fresh baked goods because it takes so long to get your product tested. And it might take a few weeks to get it off the shelf and sold. And people want fresh baked goods. And, and if it's being stale for a while, it's yeah. going to get overlooked. Sure, yeah. And I frankly thought it was mostly creating batch products the testing is expensive extremely expensive so then you know the prices would be through the roof but mm -hmm. what about catering type stuff like yes. is that legal to, is there a different license for that yes and that is actually something that we're looking at doing as well um, we're gonna have a few products in the retail shops i um, mean then start doing our uh, cupcakes for catering types of events birthdays graduations weddings those types of events and that is something that can be done Good. Yeah. That's the sort of stuff that I was doing in the beginning without a license. You know, yes. I'm living in Sonoma County and nobody cared yes. if it was legal or not. <laughs> they're like, uh, you make chocolate bacon and cupcakes. They're good. I'm in. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now, though, you know, especially in Texas, the chocolate bacon cupcakes were a hit. But now there's so many vegans here yes. and in my life that I feel shameful even saying it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's actually something that the industry needs. We need these artesian bakers to come up and start making specialized products that are, are vegan, that are, are hypoglycemic, are looking out for specific uh, food allergies. Because the way I personally feel, everybody can benefit from edibles, either low dose or, or, or high dose. But everybody has different eating habits, but we want to make sure that everyone is taken care of. Uh, our cupcakes, at least some of the ones that we have here, won't work for every day, everybody because of the amount of sugar in them, because of the amount of fats. And these actually ones have peanuts on it. So there are people with peanut allergies. So we want artesian brands to come up that are looking out for each one of those people with those allergies. Yeah. And if not, <laughs> they can buy the oil and make their own stuff at home. Yes, yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Which is exactly why we decided to, to, to pivot once we found out with all the issues with um, the packaging, labeling, and testing. Uh, we decided maybe it's best that we just make ingredients, and that way the home chef, the home baker, can make whatever they want, and Boom. they can dose it the way they want to as yes. well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the ticket. <laughs> And you and I have gone through the same thought process. Yes. I ended up pivoting into media, but that was my next thing. And you so know? that's actually what I, what right now, if you go to Cheesecake Factory, you can get a cake with a little bit of Kahlua in it. 10 years down the line, you'll be able to go to Cheesecake Factory and get a cake with a little bit of cannabis in it. I think if you go to Cheesecake Factory, you can get fucking anything. <laughs> I mean, that menu is astounding. It's I a book. howl with laughter. I mean, my mother is the only person that ever makes me go in there. And I'm just like, I am indecisive. You can't give me a menu that looks like this. It's so funny, too, because Gordon Ramsay is always like, you need to be strategic and only go after and master a few products. And then you go into the Cheesecake Factory and you're like, we don't even know what your specialty is. Like, you guys could have been the pasta factory and still had all those cheesecakes. 
I hope to God their cheesecake is good. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Well, tell me how you fell in love with baking because you didn't just say, oh, I'm going to bake edibles. Like, yeah. It's had to start somewhere. Dude just doesn't do that. <laughs> well, so my family, my mom's side, well, both sides of my family are big into cooking ever since as a kid. I think my grandmother has 12 brothers and sisters, and I want to say like three or four of them own their own restaurants. But I have to say my grandma is the best cook in the family because, you know. Yeah, she is. Because <laughs> that's what grandmas do. Exactly. Um, and so growing up, I was always in the kitchen with her. Um, my cousins, the male cousins were out playing, but I just wanted to watch grandma cook. And when I got older, I was like, I want to have a restaurant one day. When I got a little older, like the seventh or eighth grade, I realized that, you know, having a restaurant is hard. It's a hard business. Um, got a little bit older and I saw restaurants fail. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should start out with like a food truck, kind of like slowly get into a restaurant well, rather than just And be a in. nimble, mobile restaurant. Exactly. Exactly. Can go where the people are. And then I started looking at that and some of my friends had food trucks that were failing. I was like, well, maybe I should do a catering service. So this is me like getting less and less in the pool instead of just jumping in the pool. Mm -hmm. And so um, the reason I got into baking is no one in my family baked. Everybody just cooks. We cook everything, soups, barbecue, fish. We cook everything, but no one baked. And so I was like, I think I'm going to start picking up baking. And um, again, everybody in my family is really into food, and they're all, they're all hardcore critics. Hardcore <laughs> critics. I mean, like, if you're a fourth grader and you make cornbread for Thanksgiving and it's not good, the whole family is going to let you know that your cornbread <laughs> has messed up the whole Thanksgiving, di the Thanksgiving dinner. Even if you're just 12 years old, they're going to let you know. Oh, I oh the love turkey it. was great, but this Thanksgiving, whew, in the eighth grade, you can get there a second There wasn't enough try. butter for exactly. that cornbread. <laughs> <laughs> and so I made cornbread, I think, in the sixth grade. And they're like, this is pretty good. So I started making some other baked goods, made a pie by myself, I think, like a year later, and then started doing some other things. I'm like, oh, I got something going here. And then um, I made a cake and there was a girl I had a crush on and I saw her take a bite of it and look at me and I saw something different. And so <laughs> I got a little bit more interested into baking. And so um, it kind of just took off from there. I um, started doing some research on some red velvet cupcakes and just started Googling, Googling left and right. What's the best? Trying different things. And I came up with what I thought was a pretty good cupcake. And then uh, I infused it with some coconut oil that I had made myself, some infused coconut oil. I invited one of my friends over, and I'll never forget it. He was taking a bite of this infused red velvet cupcake. And before his mouth closed completely, he was saying, sell this shit now. Excuse my language. <laughs> sell this now before his mouth completely closed. I was like, okay, well, maybe we got something. And that's kind of how Next Level kind of started going from there. Nice. I love that. I <laughs> smiled through the whole thing because I definitely know – a critical family. Like yeah. <laughs> I came from one of those. Um, but I think it's fun to start that journey early of like, okay, I'm going to feel a, a niche in my family yes. and just start experimenting. And the thing that I learned in those early days of baking was that this isn't necessarily just an art, the way cooking, you can mix all kinds of things, but there is so much science in baking. Yes. And so <laughs> you have to be on top of your shit. Yes. You're like, wait a minute, these aren't fluffy. <laughs> Why are these pancakes? Okay. You know? No, you're spot on. My, my wife is an 
excellent cook. She does not bake, though, for that exact reason, because she cooks by smell and by flavor. And baking, if it's not precisely a half a cup, then, yeah, there's no going in 30 minutes later and adding another tablespoon of, of flour. It's it's Oh, wrap. yeah, or getting into a recipe and all of a sudden it's time for the milk or the cream or something mm-hmm. and it should have been at room temperature yes. and it's ice cold mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, I know that there's going to be some bad shit that happens mm-hmm. if I use this now. So you either have to stop your process yes. and even that time lapse can cause issues. So yeah, kudos to you for, <laughs> for sticking with it. Yeah. And I, I'm teaching my, my daughter, it's actually an excellent baker already. We've been teaching her for a while. She's just seven now. And it's when you're making spaghetti, for example, if you put the Italian seasoning in and then you put the garlic in, that's fine. If you switch it up the other way, it's totally fine. In baking, if you put the eggs in before the flour, you've completely messed up the recipe. So I've been telling her you have to read twice just so you measure once. And so, yeah, baking's very specific, but I enjoy it. Yeah. So what are some other tips that you might have for home bakers? Um, the tablespoon is bigger than the teaspoon. <laughs> when I was first started baking, you know, I was going fast and not really paying attention. I, I would mix those up a lot. Um, other thing that always helps me is I read baking soda twice, baking powder twice. I always read it twice because I always get those confused. But for the home chef, you, you know what? If you're getting starting with baking, there's a lot of great recipes online. If you're thinking about trying a dish, what I recommend doing is Google best cookie recipe. Look at the top three recipes and figure out what they're doing, how they're similar, and then add your own little flair to it. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of great recipes out there. You can learn how to become a great baker by just looking and Googling and making those recipes time and time again and then making it your own. That's how most of our recipes came about. That's interesting you said that because I just had a flash of when I was making the chocolate bacon cupcakes and I was trying to find the perfect chocolate cake that Mm -hmm. would complement a chocolate bacon icing. Yeah. And by the way, we have to talk recipes later on. Just okay. in case. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I read another couple of recipes and I saw that someone had used coffee. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to use for part of my liquid, I started using coffee and it made all of the flavors explode. It was so good. And so that's a fun thing to do is I like to just get super high (laughs) and then just start experimenting. And I loved coming up with like stoner concoctions for cookies. So I had my base cookie recipe, like, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. that basic chocolate chip dough recipe is. And then get high and be like, okay, what am I craving? Yes. Be like, ooh, pretzels and butterscotch yes. chips. Or <laughs> putting potato chips in something or whatever. Just having fun with it is the best part of infusing edibles yeah. at home. That's the artistic part of it. Um, when I first started, I wasn't to the artistic part. So I would just read a recipe and do exactly that. And But once you start, like you mentioned, getting a base, for example, our, our chocolate cake base, once we found out a really good chocolate cake base, then it's fun to, like you said, experiment. Mm, what would be good with chocolate? And sky's the limit. Oh, Kahlua. Make a cream cheese Kahlua frosting that goes on top of the chocolate. Or strawberries. Strawberries and chocolate are good. Once you have your base, like sky is the limit as far as your creations go. Yeah, that is fun. 
So tell me about your experience in the Oakland equity program. And for mm. some people that are just like completely like, what's an equity program? Mm -hmm. Let's do a 101 on that sure. because I think it's important. Yeah. Um, so Oakland has an equity program. It's one of the few cities in the United States that do. Not everyone has it. Uh, San Francisco has one, and I believe San Jose is starting one. But basically, the reason it was originally set up was in the 80s, 90s, and prior to that, police in, those, in Oakland specifically targeted minorities for cannabis crimes and put them into jail. And now, come full circle, here we are, cannabis is legal. So even though the police were particularly targeting uh, minorities for those cannabis crimes, in order to kind of even the playing field, what Oakland has decided to do is help minorities get into the cannabis industry. To do that, what they do is they give them a few different things. They give them a, a free space for three years. Um, they waive a lot of the permitting fees associated with getting into the cannabis industry. Permitting fees are like $15,000. Um, and they have a lot of free classes and programs to help those new businesses get up and running. Um, and it's kind of their way of saying, you know, we're, we're sorry for what happened, but let's try to make amends by, by getting you guys set up and getting into the cannabis industry. And uh, we were fortunate enough to be accepted into the Oakland Equity Program. How did you even apply or how do you know about it? Um, did you have to go seek out the information? Yes. Okay, um, that's what the reason we, we got our business up, just a, a lot of Google. <laughs> yeah. It's a new industry. And so I'm just Googling things to figure out how to get through it. Well, and that's important for people to know because- you know, a lot of times people just will let a dream die because it's too hard to find mm. the information. Oh, man. So now I have to talk about that. Um, and th that actually leads into how we got into the equity program. When the whole idea of starting Next Level, our, our cannabis company, came to my mind, I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll have an, a cannabis company. It'll be awesome. Uh, I sat down with a friend. He was like, oh, I know a cannabis lawyer. She does. She works in San Francisco. She charges a lot of money, but she's a good friend of mine. Go sit down with her half an hour and she'll help you get your business set up. I was like, awesome. So I wrote down 10 questions for this cannabis lawyer, sat down in front of her. The first one was, how much will it cost for me to set up my cannabis business? She says, if you want to set up a cannabis business in this area, it's going to cost you a minimum of three quarters of a million dollars. At the time, I had about $35 in my bank account. Her answer was like getting hit in the face with a car, completely just offset my dream. Um, I had one of my best friends and co-founders with me. He was like, this idea is not going to work. It's way too much money. We'll never get that much money. Let's just com let's completely scrap it. Let's go a different direction. So we both went home with my tail between my legs. And I was like, no, we can do this. Let me figure out if there's another way, maybe something that she doesn't know. And again, I was a brand new to the industry, didn't know anything. She was my only source of knowledge at that time. So I jumped on Google. Hey, how am I going to figure out how we're going to start a company with less than $750,000? And Google was my friend. I started Googling different programs in, in, in cannabis. Um, I found out that about the equity program just through Google and through Facebook groups, um, I found out there's a, a Facebook group called East Bay Canna Community. And um, I joined it and I found out a lot of industry information about the cannabis industry just by being a part of that Facebook group. Someone posted about an equity program. I have no idea what the equity program is. Found out about it. I was like, we can totally do that. And then that would be helping us to bypass that $750,000.
So it took a lot of time and research, but my dream was bigger than her no, basically. Yeah. And so I just had to figure out a way how we could do it. And so that's how we got here. And then it's taking all of the forms, the application process and doing all of those things where it feels like there's always another hurdle to jump over. And when I was trying to get MJ skin set up, you know, I was supposed to be manufacturing product in first quarter. Mm -hmm. The two manufacturer just announced that my tubes will be delivered to the warehouse on October the 26th. Yes. And so, you know, I've been trying for two holiday seasons to have a product on the market. And now finally I will. Yes. But during this process, I just kept getting more and more exhausted and Mm -hmm. more frustrated and deeper into debt. And just like, how much more can I give? Mm -hmm. But that visualization of me not jumping that next hurdle and then there being the ribbon of the finish line. Mm -hmm. And I would have just run that whole freaking marathon and was right there at the finish line. I didn't cross it. Yes. So it's like, that's what keeps me going. Like, okay, one more hurdle, Mm -hmm. one more hurdle, one more application, one more denial. You really think that the hurdles are going to be gone and you really think that the next person you talk to is going to be all about your plan, but that's just not the way it works. But if you keep going, you'll make progress. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about so much more than baking yeah. edibles, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about entrepreneurship right That's now. That's right. but Because we're both in the freaking grind of it right now. Yes, yes. And so tell me, yeah, where are you right now with the equity program? How has this all blossomed? So, so the equity program is awesome. I know it sounds like I'm kind of slowing in my voice. No, the, let, me, <laughs> let me change that. The equity program, Oakland's equity program is awesome. It is new and it is run by the government, which means it has issues. Well, it's run by humans, which means it has issues. There you go. Um, Just more issues because it's run by the government. (laughs) But they're working to get through those issues, which is a positive. Um, The the issue that hit us the hardest, we were lucky enough to find somebody to incubate us. Uh, A company called Gold Coast was willing to pay for our space and in order for them to get their permit a little bit faster. Um, So we got a beautiful space in Oakland. Uh, The only issue is Gold Coast is a distribution company. We're a manufacturing company, which means in order for us to get permitted, we need to go through um, the Alameda Health Department, which is something that they did not have to go through. In order for our facility to get permitted, we need to have a commercial grade hood in order to manufacturing food. Um, Since they're not manufacturing food, they they did not need that. Um, And since we didn't have that, Alameda Health Department wouldn't sign off on our facility and in order to get a commercial hood set up in our facility, it would cost $50,000. Again, we're an equity company. We don't have $50,000. So we have this beautiful space that we can't use. So does the equity program then work with you to find almost like a new foster home? You know what I mean? Like, okay, we paired you with somebody who really wasn't a good fit. That's our fault. Because that is their fault. It is their fault, but no, the program is too new and there's so few um, companies like Gold Coast who are willing to incubate that it wasn't like, oh, we'll just find you another one. It's like if you find a venture capital who's willing to give you a million dollars, if you decide not to go with them, it's going to be really hard to find another venture capital to give you a million dollars. Well, but it's also really hard to be set up for success when you can't bake. Man. Uh, yes. And so we, we had a beautiful space that we set up. We put our feet up in the air and basically did computer work because we couldn't use it for for manufacturing um, foods. So that was one of the sad parts about about the program. 
on the, on the lighter foot and on the good side, um, Oakland saw that this was happening in more than just in our circumstance. And so we sat down with Greg Miner, who's the head of special permits in, in the Oakland department. And we told him that it would be awesome if Oakland could get a shared kitchen space for its equity manufacturers. Yes. And so the city of Oakland is now doing that. High um, five. Way to go, bro. Yeah. Um, I, I actually can't take full credit. I would actually give Ram- Ramon Garcia most of the credit and some other people who I probably don't know. But um, yeah, the city of Oakland went to the state, got some grant money, and is setting up uh, two facilities in Oakland. And they're going to be co-sharing kitchen spaces specifically for equity manufacturers to utilize. Perfection. Yeah. So yeah, things are, are it's been a long process, but things are, are going. They're going. So what is that timeline looking like? Um, they just put out the application for the two kitchens. Um, they, I believe, are going to be opening up in mid-October, the two kitchens. I'm not sure how many um, manufacturers are going to be in each of the kitchens, um, but I think it's like a total of maybe around 20. Mm-hmm. But that will definitely get some equity manufacturers out there, and that's that's the goal. So what do you think is your timeline kind of hinging on whatever happens with this. Yes. That, see, that's where I sit, <laughs> where I'm like, I'm ready to do all of these things and I can't yes. yet. So that's where you are. Yeah. Um, we just applied. Um, hopefully we'll know our results in the next month or so. Um, and once we are, if we're accepted to the program, then we'll get a Oakland permit for that facility and then we'll apply for our state license. But you always have a, if you're an entrepreneur, you have to have a backup plan. And so um, we've partnered with our incubator and a co-packer by the name of The Galley in Santa Rosa. And um, we're going to produce our products through that co-packer if we're not able to get through this through this program. Okay. I dig it. And so what products are you going to launch with? Great question. So um, due to packaging and, and labeling restrictions and testing issues, we can't go with what we're probably best known for, our mini cupcakes. So um, we're going to do a slight pivot. Um, we actually make the, coco- the infused coconut oil that goes into our mini cupcakes. So we're going to start our products with the infused coconut oil, and we also make infused brown sugar. And that way the home chef can infuse whatever dishes they want to at home. Or if you're a person that likes to start their day with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, you have some brown sugar for you. I dig it. So what are the price points um, for your product yet? Are you able to, have you been able to equate that yet? No, we're going to, we're going to try to keep it pretty, pretty, pretty nice on the, on the consumer side. Um, I don't want to put out the exact dollar yet because we're, we're not there yet. Yeah, and, that's <laughs> fine. I mean, cause the reason I ask is it's such a great idea to be able to infuse your own products at home mm-hmm. in whatever way works yes. for your diet and your lifestyle And I know the price of, you know, chocolates or marshmallows or all of the other things that are on the market. And so I just wasn't sure if this was going to be competitive to that or where you're like, whoa, I can make so much stuff out of this. This is such a great value. Yeah, we're going to try to keep it low because we're equity, so we don't have a whole bunch of money. And so we don't want our consumers to have to have a whole bunch of money to buy our products. Thank you. That, That would be rude, right? (laughs) Totally rude. Totes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we haven't talked about your brother. And he's kind of a big deal in this. And I think if he heard this show, 
<laughs> he'd be like, uh, what up, bro? We're co-founders. Why didn't you mention my name until like 45 minutes in? Yes. Um, <laughs> Cartier Jenkins, that's my brother. We went on this journey together a long, long time ago. Um, and yeah, he's been part of it ever since. We have a few other people helping us out as founders, but him him and I have been the main, the main lifters. And um, my brother is in the army and he did multiple tours in Iraq. Um, and once he returned home, he unfortunately did suffer from PTSD and depression. And the VA gave him pharmaceutical drugs, just like our nurse practitioner and our doctors prescribed to us. Mm-hmm. He also felt a little bit different, didn't like taking those. Um, and he, but he also noticed that cannabis was helping to relieve a lot of his symptoms. Were y'all on that journey at the same time? It, it's funny that you mentioned that. Yes, but we were in different areas because he was in living in North Carolina at the time and I was here in California. And it wasn't like something we, we talked about. You don't call, hey, bro, I'm depressed. How are you doing? Like, uh, <laughs> we, we had conversations, but nothing about, about that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he ended up moving back here and um, to, back to California. Um, he's got three boys and he was retired. And so he did a lot of work with the boys, took them to school, picked them up, took them to practice. And again, he didn't want to be the considered one of those stereotypical African-Americans that smell like cannabis. And he's got these three kids around him, just like from a teacher's eyes that can shed a bad light. Again, personally, I don't feel that way. But well, there we're are, still breaking stigmas. Yes, Absolutely. Exactly. And so instead of getting lumped in with those people, he wanted a different solution. And um, so I made him a cookie, a hundred milligram cookie. And so that hundred milligrams was able to help him with his symptoms. And he didn't smell like cannabis when he picked up his kids. So he never got that stigma associated. And he was like, you know what, this is a great idea. And the reason he actually, it's hard telling someone else's story, but the reason he actually came back to California from North Carolina after the army is because he wanted to get into the cannabis business. So my brother's been a broker in the industry for a while, working between farms, cultivators, and um, dispensaries, uh, moving products. And so when I started baking with cannabis and I needed materials, I was like, oh, perfect, uh, Cartier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'll never forget the first batch of cookies or the second batch of cookies I made. I was like, Cartier, I need you to, to bring me some, some trim. And at the time I'm using like hand-me-down trim, hand-me, hand-me-down trim. That was like brownish green, a little <laughs> yeah. bit of green. And he's like, oh yeah, no worry, bro, I got you. So like two weeks later, he brings me some sugar leaf. I, I had never even seen it before. It was like sticking to my hands. I'm like, what is this? He's yeah. like, I, I got you, I got you. And so he's really got a nose for the product, um, a full breakdown. He can look at a strain and be like, oh, that's this. I can smell the the, the terpene in the background. And I'm I'm not there yet with cannabis. Mm-hmm. So he's our chief cannabis officer. He's He helps us to source and get great materials. I love that. And that actually leads me into when you're infusing the oil and baking, are you announcing what strain mm-hmm. you're using? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that way people know kind of what effects you, are you spelling that stuff out for people? No, totally. Um, when we first started, it was just like, you know, make it as strong as, strong as possible. This was some years ago when I didn't know about terpenes and uh, the effects that certain terpenes have on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even know the difference between um, the two different types of cannabis. Just everything was just weed. It was just weed. But now that we're, we're getting more and more in, into it, whenever we have samples, like what I brought you today, uh, it's fire OG. So you can go to Leafly and, and see all the breakdowns of that specific, the specific cannabinoids and terpenes mm-hmm. and how it's going to uh, help you with your symptoms. 
Right on. Yeah, I think that's something that consumers, they want to see, but it, it depends on your own body chemistry and, you know, what headspace you're in or whatever. But that tr- that's very true as well. So I, I but I'd like to know what it is so that I can at least have a general idea. But that's why you know, so many of these products are like sleep, you yes. know, arouse, you know. <laughs> Elevate. Well, that's what I was going to mention as well. I feel like they should do both. They should tell the strain and what you might feel. Um, because as you mentioned, strains affect different people differently. And de- even if it affects you differently, it, it depends on where you're at at that time that you take the strain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like you should put sleep on it, but you should also put the strain on it as well. Because there's a lot of consumers who don't know what Fire OG is. So putting sleep on it, well, ah, okay, I get an idea. Mm-hmm. But then there's the much more educated consumer like Fire OG. Oh, from Sonoma County? Then- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I look forward. I, I was just reminiscing about this on a episode with some of my farmer friends about just the idea of being able to go in and buy cannabis the way we buy wine. Yes. And you're just like, oh, I remember – visiting that region mm-hmm. and I oh they're so close to the ocean they've got that cool ocean air in the morning and the fog and you know just being able to place that with your cannabis experience yeah. is it's you know it's a little canosaurish it's no, it, a little it snobby but I fucking love it <laughs> oh, yes oh well, I almost said we're Californians but I forgot we're not both Californians but no it, yeah. you're totally right <laughs> um cannabis is definitely turning in, into wine and I like that because it was once associated with like the riffraff and wine has always been associated with the elite, but cannabis should definitely be associated with the elite as well. I even think the conscious and Mm open-minded, the calmest, most together people that I know consume cannabis. Yes. They have relationships with plant medicine. Yes. The ones (laughs) that are all wiry and weird, they have relationships with cocaine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're spot on. And it's, it's, yeah. Like we were talking about earlier, people experience cannabis differently. Um, my brother doesn't like to partake before 12 o'clock because he feels like if he has it before 12 o'clock in the afternoon, it makes him like sluggish and lethargic. There was a time when I woke up at 6 AM, I would smoke a bong and then I would have an edible. Then I'd get on a three mile bike ride. Then I would work out for two hours. Then I'd have another edible and I'd do my eight-hour workday. Then I'd have another edible and take a three-mile bike ride home. But some people are like, I can't do cannabis. It makes me too not wanting to do anything. To me, it motivates me. It makes me move. It makes me go. So, um, yeah, I'm one of those cannabis, cannabis and then workout people. That's, yeah, that's I me. <laughs> I like to do that too. And I had my epigenetic coach on to help kind of explain to people that, you know, our DNA – helps define what our relationship with the cannabinoids truly is. Mm-hmm. And and you have to just honor and respect your body. Yes. And to me, it just helps you it. tune in more. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, one of the things with my anxiety and depression piece in using cannabis is if I allow myself to consume and then just watch Netflix or whatever, you can get into whatever it is. And it's easy. (laughs) Yeah, but it is more of like inspiring yourself to get up and do something creative or do something active. And, you know, that that doesn't just happen. It has to be inspired action. Yes. 
spot on. Well, it has been really fun talking to you. Is there anything that I didn't ask you, maybe about the equity program or the business that you want me to share? It would be awesome if I could get you to try one of the uh, the cupcakes we made you on the air. Heck yeah. Is that possible? Totes. Let me tell you what we got for you today. All right. I'll give you the full explanation. One of our cupcakes, when we first were starting out, it was called the Snickers Cupcake. And obviously, we're probably going to have to change the name because Nestle won't like that. <laughs> um but it is a milk chocolate cupcake, a dense milk chocolate cake. On top of that is a peanut butter cream cheese frosting with a dark caramel drizzle and crushed peanuts on top. These are five milligrams. Um, and per our conversation, you're more of a fan of dark chocolate. Yes. So, so these are Joanna's Snickers because these yeah. are made with dark chocolate. Outstanding. They look amazing. And um, we mentioned earlier, we first started off making stronger edibles. Again, my brother, a big, strong army guy, he's got a pretty high tolerance. And we wanted to make sure that he didn't have to eat 10 cupcakes in order for him to, to get the feeling. And so um, we started off with very potent products, 30 milligram mini cupcakes. But these are five. Um, we want to make sure that they're not too strong for anybody who might partake. That's right. Yeah, I'm sharing these with people. And I would normally want the 20 milligram, but I was trying <laughs> to be kind to my guests. <laughs> no, no, totally awesome. Yes. Um, we want more people to be able to experience instead of less. So that's totally fine if they have to have two. <laughs> All right. Awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> and right. so, um, again, we usually do milk chocolate for this cake. But for the special Joanna version, it's 72% cacao. Yes. And I just like that because I'm a health nut and I'm trying to take care of my brain. And if I'm going to eat chocolate, I, you know, want the good stuff. No, totally understand. And we do make vegan and low sweet products, mm. but this just happens to be not one of them. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is so good. <laughs> Thank you. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. Fuck you, Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say, but I'm glad you can. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. That is so good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. I'm excited. It's well funny, done. too, because I tell people that we have a, a, a cupcake company, and I see inside their head that they're thinking of, like, Safeway cupcakes. And I have to explain to them, well, we're cupcakes, but it's not really the same type of cupcake. It's more of an upper echelon cupcake than your standard. Yeah, this is a pinky out cupcake. Exactly, pinky up cupcake. Up, out, <laughs> wherever you want it. <laughs> Man, how can people find you online if they want to get in touch with you? Or maybe someone's like, hey, I've got a space. Yeah. Like, I want to collaborate with this guy. Well, we're, we're happy to collaborate with anybody. We're happy to partner with anybody that, that we can. Also happy to support businesses however we can. Um, if you would like to partner with us, you have some questions about next level or about equity or even about manufacturing and cannabis, um, I believe in business karma. So however I can help you out, I believe that it'll be paid back in, in fold in time to me. So feel free to reach out to me via email. My email is anthony at nextleveledibles.com. And our website, in case you want to check it out, is www.nextleveledibles.com. And uh, we are on Instagram at uh, nextleveledibles. But it's without an E. Yes. The second, the first E is not there. So it's N-X-T-L-E-V-E-L, -E -E edibles. All right, right on. And I will say I had just mentioned in a previous episode 
about, I'm tired of people just picking my brain. Don't just pick my brain. Like, figure out what do you have a value that I could use? Like, figure out a way to collaborate yes. and to, you know, share knowledge or hire people. Yes. There's a there's a better way of getting things done in the industry and collaborating than just pulling what you need out of someone's brain and going and putting it to use. So however I can help you guys. And yes. if I can connect you with maybe some event people that I know, you would be, you know, just a no-brainer collaborative partner because this is some damn fine cupcakes. <laughs> well, I figured that that <laughs> I was going to utilize you, Joanne. I was just going to give you free cupcakes and hopefully they'd end up wherever you were going <laughs> yes. and that through networking, we would be able to get to where we wanted to go. Heck yeah. Well, I love what you're doing. I love your energy. You Thank know, you. prior to getting this party started, we were talking about aging gracefully and taking care of ourselves yes. and, and plant medicine. And you have a seven-year-old, but you also have a brand new baby at home. Yes. So. How do we take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others? Yes. So, you know, I appreciated that chat. I wish we had captured it, but let that be something that you ponder, Casually Baked Tribe. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully you can have me back in the future and I can bring you back some, I can bring you some other specialties that we have and we can talk about something like that then. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This podcast is dedicated to all of you entrepreneurs out there jumping hurdles in the weeds with Anthony and me. It's certainly not an easy path, my friend, but the rewards, they're next level, right? Speaking of, head over to the podcast 156 show notes at casuallybaked.com to meet Anthony and Cartier and to learn about next level edibles and the Oakland Equity Program. And if a career in cannabis is calling your name, visit thewhiteashgroup.com to review their jobs board and proactively add yourself to their cannabis jobs database, and a recruitment expert will reach out. And as for you gondrepreneurial trailblazers leading the way, White Ash Group provides pre-screened and vetted talent and tailored hiring solutions for multi-state operators, LPs, the vape and tech industries, retail operations, product, and lifestyle brands. If your cannabis company is in building mode, visit whiteashgroup.com to learn more. Tell them Joe sent you. We've got more podcast patron requests in the queue. Next week, my sister and consciousness coach, Crystal Nuding, is back to help us get through the stickier parts of 2020. And matchmaker and dating coach, Aaron Beata, drops by soon to talk about the intersection of cannabis and relationships. You can catch a preview of that chat on the latest episode of Love, Mary Jane, where Aaron and I dive into the ins and outs of virtual dating during COVID. As always, email your can of curiosities to me at casuallybaked.com to be answered on a future episode of the podcast. And if you're picking up what I'm putting down, please take a minute to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That action helps others find this highly responsible cannabis content. And last but certainly not least, you can also show your support by becoming a podcast patron for as little as $5 per month. 
head over to patreon.com backslash casually baked and puff puff pass it on. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodCon X. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at The Talking Hedge. You can find me at thetalkinghedgepodcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.